Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Hello, Jamba. 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 Hello, I'm so excited that we are finishing off what's turned out to be a three-part series following on from another series we did called Hashtag Blessed. We've been actually looking at how we can be financially blessed. We've been looking in a long series before that about how God blesses us, studying the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, and then we've gone into Matthew chapter 6. And we've ended up seeing how these incredibly countercultural words of Jesus Christ to his disciples in what we call the Sermon on the Mount is meant to be worked out in all of our lives and that includes our financial life. So this is another area where we're meant to stand out and shine and not be like everybody else. And as the blessings are listed here in the Beatitudes, they're not the same as what the world might call a blessing because they come mixed with hardships and hurts and and carry us through them. He goes on to tell us how to be financially blessed and how to be a blessing. Let me say again, in case anybody worries, that uh, now I'm lining up with those who get called prosperity gospel preachers and I'm going to be asking you soon to buy me the Ivy Intercontinental jet plane so I can take this show on the road and round the world being financially blessed God's way. Yeah, he, he does want to bless us, but it's so that we prosper, and he says that in many ways in Scripture, but biblical prosperity is not God giving me everything I want to do whatever I want with. It's God giving me everything I need to do whatever he wants me to do. Very different. God, in his generosity and his kindness, doesn't always just give us what we need. He generously provides. And it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he does so with leftovers, to share with others, not just to find another creative way for me to want to have to keep it or spend it, but so that I'll share, I'll be blessed to be a blessing. So financial blessing God's way is he blesses me more and more to be a blessing to more others. And that's certainly not always the same as the way that the world would see it or count blessing, is it? So, you know, that would just be that we just get more and more and more. And and again, that can even affect the church. So If you missed it, I can catch you up. Jesus said, first of all, there are two banks, two treasuries available for us to invest in as we go through this life. And that this is the only time when we get to make investments and and then one day the bank will be closed. The markets and the opportunity will be gone. Two banks, one in heaven, one on the earth, one in heaven. And right now is when the pennies are coming from heaven and it's good to recognise that. And it's so important for us to model and teach our children and the next generations about these principles to discuss this together. This life is the only time we have to make a difference in which we decide how many of those pennies, how much of the pounds are going to go back to heaven in terms of loving people and investing in God's work here on the earth. The Bible says, the Lord says, when we make deposits in that way and that, that bank, rather than just spend or hoard everything we've got in this life here, we invest where we're going to get to keep it forever. So every day we're going to get closer and closer to the treasure that we put into our heavenly treasury. Jesus told a famous story about a man who was rich in this life, but that was all he was focused on. 
So as he built his own little empire, he built bigger and bigger barns and stored up every blessing for himself as much as he could have it, as if he could have it forever. And he thought he was wise and, and people would have thought he was good with money. But in the end, and there's always an end, heaven said he was a fool. And when we come to the end of this life, we're going to go to one of two destinations. And if we put our trust in Jesus Christ to save us and forgive us, we will join him in heaven and heaven's going to come back to earth. We're going to be there reigning with him. And if we said that he's Lord and we've aimed to show that in our lives, then one area it will be demonstrated clearly and will be how much we've invested in that heavenly treasury by being rich in good deeds and treasuring what he treasures with our time and talents and yes, our money. In eternity, we will never regret a penny of that investment. That's why I never have a problem talking with you about what the Bible says about material things and their spiritual consequences. One day you'll thank me for this even if I'm a bit annoying to you now. So, on the other hand, as like you, I now live in this world full of fear at times and need and opportunity. I'm also sure that when I've checked my own balance of that heavenly bank account, the one that is in my name, I'm gonna have some regrets about the ridiculous ways I've so often squandered many of the ways that God has provided in so many ways, and I've just spent it on things that don't last and don't matter. And even if I, I got them, I couldn't keep hold of them once, once I've kind of punched my ticket out of here. That's maybe why the Lord says on, on that day, it says in Revelation, he's going to wipe every tear away from our eyes. Why else would I be crying when I get to heaven, except I would, I would realise I've lived too much with too much focus on the things of the earth. And after reminding us about the two banks, then Jesus went further and warned us there were two bosses available for us to serve, mammon or God. Mammon, materialism, if you prefer the word, is a, it's a modern word for this spiritual force that drives the economies of the world through greed and debt. It, it demands our lives and that we give them our, give this, this, our focus and our finances and our faith. Yes, we put our faith in mammon because what, what we worship it, we get devoted to it. We look for security and provision from it. And, it, and yeah, we have to assess which is my boss, which one am I serving? See, on, on, there's mammon, on the other hand, God himself, our heavenly father. He wants our devotion. He wants to be our master, so we worship him. It really is a worship issue. God and mammon both want the first word and the final say. So who our boss is holds sway over our lives. So there's, there's nothing I'll do for money that I wouldn't do for him. That's the test. Jesus told us the two bosses are diametrically opposed in terms of what is important. Both demand total allegiance. So he warned us in the strongest terms, we cannot, cannot, cannot serve both. So now, after looking at the two banks that are open for us to invest in, and the two bosses who we choose to serve, demonstrated through our spending, saving, work choices, living and giving, which means there are two ways to look at our belongings, which are decided by which kingdom we belong in. So which one are we going to focus on? Two banks, two bosses as we belong and focus on one or two kingdoms. See, for God's children don't belong to any kingdom but to a king. And we will see that he, even as I'm now in the United Kingdom, if I just live as if that's what matters most, that's going to determine the amount of worry and anxiety that I, I hold in this area. So it's really important we decide this too. Who's our king? Who do we belong to? Which kingdom do we belong to? Mammon right now is manipulating the markets and the manner that the money operates in. It always does. Personally, I believe the days of the technologically 
cashless society which will crash everything again and again to make way for the new paperless monetary system controlled by the Antichrist aiming to control every man, woman and child is fast approaching. I could be wrong. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. You see, that all sounds like bad news until I wake up and realise which kingdom I'm in and that my king is coming back soon for his bride. So now is not the time to worry, but it is the time to get our houses, our priorities in order, to build deposits in the heavenly bank and put our trust in the heavenly boss by deciding which kingdom I belong to, which king I belong to. Matthew 6 verse 25, I'm reading from the Amplified Version here, which expands out the original text with some explanation alongside the words of Christ. Read along with me. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow seed nor reap the harvest nor gather the crops into barns. And yet your heavenly father keeps feeding them. Aren't you not worth much more than them. It's the argument from the lesser to the greater. And who of you by worrying can add one hour to the length of his life? Actually, we're more likely to take years off, aren't we? That's clinically proven. And why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies and wildflowers of the fields grow. They do not labour, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all his glory and splendour, dressed himself like one of these. You know, if you look under the microscope at, you know, the most gorgeous man-made material, it just looks like sackcloth if you compare the intricate beauty in every petal of even a wildflower. But, he says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive and green today and tomorrow is thrown as fuel into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy and distracted, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? You know, those three things are at the top of the hierarchy, pretty much, of what we reckon are the most important things in his life. And yet he says, don't worry, why? For the pagan Gentiles, those who don't know God, this is the people who life's all about this for them, they eagerly seek all these things, but do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's saying, don't forget who your king is. Don't forget who your father is. And then here we are now, two banks, two bosses, and then get ready. Where do we belong? But first and most importantly, seek Aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. What things? All of them. Everything you need for this life. So, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And then he's done. Three times in that passage he says, don't worry. Actually, when you look at the tenses, it covers all the bases and eventualities. He actually commands, don't worry, stop worrying, and don't start worrying about eating, drinking, and clothing. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about how long it will be. Don't worry. Be blessed. See, people are worried to death about death. 
And he says you can't worry yourself into a longer life, so don't worry about it. And the word for life there, suke, really simply means your breath, your temporary temporal life that he just provided another breath in. And then there'll come a day when he doesn't, and you'll wake up in another kingdom. And you'll find that you belong to that kingdom. And you'll think, why did I worry in a world of worry? Why didn't I seek another kingdom? Aim at living a full life for Jesus rather than a long life for yourself. And when eternity opens up and that kingdom is visible, you'll realise how much better it was to live that way. See, I'm living at present in a very divided, supposedly united kingdom. But I want to live for another kingdom, the kingdom I belong in, ruled by the king I belong to. That kingdom is now, it's at hand, Jesus says, if I repent, change my mind and believe it. I don't have to worry about my life because I gave my life to him. I was in charge, I was messing it up until my early 20s and then I found out, somebody told me that God loved me, Jesus died for me on the cross and so I said, Lord, I'm going to put my life in your hands now, all my sin, all my mess ups, mistakes, all my ambitions, dreams and hopes, have it all Jesus, I'm, I'm getting off the throne of my life and I want you to rule and I remember early on somebody gave me a booklet to explain what it was to be a believer called Knowing God Personally. I just found it so helpful and clear, I started carrying it around in my pockets, in my police uniform and everywhere I went. I must have given away hundreds of these over the years. I even found this one a little way back here when I found the old leather cover for one of my old police notebook cover. And there, tucked away is one of them with my very old phone number in the back of them to follow up with people. And it says here, you have a choice about who is going to be the king of your life. It says we all have to make a choice. We have a choice to make in our lives. When Christ comes knocking on the door of our hearts and somebody said the handle's on the inside, he'll never force his way in or, or kick the door down. And if today as I'm speaking to you, if you can never remember a day or a time and a place where you said to him, Lord, thank you for loving me and, and dying so my sins could be forgiven. You can do that right here and follow him from now and he will receive you. He'll give you a fresh start and a new life because of the cross, full of hope, joy and peace and his love will be with you. And never leave you, no matter what happens. So, you know, take a moment, picture Jesus. As it says, hear him. Like I'm going to read from the booklet. He says, I, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody, that means you, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, you have to say yes, not just leave him outside if you want to know God. But if you do that, he promises you this. I will come in and eat with him or her and he or her with me. Have you done that? Is the door to your life open or closed to him? That's step number one. And until you've done that, you know, none of this is going to make any sense to you because you're going to fill this life, waste this life, filling up the earthly treasures. Money will be master over you, whether or not you see it or admit it, because you won't be able to live the way the king calls you to until you come into his kingdom and do what he, he, he wants you to do. So you can do what he calls you for. There's something always going to pull you back from full devotion. But then reading on in the booklet, I see this is not just about feelings, but actions. It's about decisions and choices that I make. It says receiving Christ and living for him, even if I say I did this three or 30 years ago, involves turning to God from self and trusting Christ to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sins and to make us what he wants us to be. Just to agree intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins is not enough, nor is it enough to have an emotional experience. We receive Jesus Christ by faith as an act of will. You can do that right now. 
Please listen carefully. This really is a matter of life and death. However you ended up hearing this message, we all have a decision to make and we can only make it in this life. And it's more important than any other decisions that we might make in our lives because this decision has potential to change all the others because it changes directions and destinies and yes, destinations in this life and the life to come in ways beyond our imagination. See, I've been talking a little bit about money, but God's not after your money. He's got no need of it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It says in Psalm 24, silver is, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, he says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. But he wants you. You are his treasure. He's jealous for your love. He doesn't want there to be any other master, no idol greater in our affections. He wants us to turn away from everything else and he wants your heart. But right at the start here, Jesus said, your heart is where your treasure is. Remember that? It's an indicator of who my master is. Two banks, two bosses, two places to belong, two treasuries, two masters, two kingdoms. I'll never forget what he meant the first time I saw this little picture at the bottom of page eight in the booklet. On here, you see there's two thrones. And it says, these two circles represent two kinds of life. I'll read it. A life entrusted to Christ. And when I look there, I see one way for me to live where Christ is central and on the throne, and I yield myself to Christ. He is king. I'm living for his kingdom. I belong to his kingdom. What's the alternative? A life without Jesus Christ. Self is central. This is what happens. Whenever self is central and on the throne, Jesus Christ is then on the outside. Now, over 30 years ago, I think I first read that, and again, I just said to the Lord, oh, Lord, I don't just want you to be saviour. You're king. I see that and many of us, maybe you just got the saviour part but missed the part at the bottom of the page, like it's the small print, but this is massive. Don't just open the door to the saviour and say, that's it, come in. Don't miss the part when the king is king and he's looking for somewhere to sit in the house when I've opened it up. And now I, now I say, Lord, I want you to have the throne. I want to live like you're my king and I want to live in your kingdom now and for your kingdom that I now belong to. I want to say, as it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. And as a new Christian, I realised how true that picture was of how I'd been, I'd been living myself with myself as the centre of everything. So I asked him to forgive me and save me. But I was only just scratching the surface and I realised because he didn't just want me to give my life to him. We talk about that in church. Actually, I can't find that phrase anywhere in the Bible. He gave his life for me. And he wants me to give my life back to him in return. All of it. Every part. That's seeking first the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom means putting the king first and me second. Or maybe the king tells me I want you to put him second or her second and I'm somewhere down the line because I don't have to be first or second. That's what self wants. All those years ago, I prayed, I think in some way, but I don't think I ever realised the saving part happens in an instant. He does it all. He knocks. I open the door, Christ comes in and stays, done deal. But then what seat do I give him when he comes in? Do I get off my throne? I mean, I told him I would, but then somehow I know I find myself sitting right there again. Do I say, Lord, as you now come on that throne, I bow before your majesty and I trust you to give me whatever I need. You're a good king. So, so now what do you want me to do for you, Lord? Who do you want me to serve? What do you want me to give, Lord, out of all that you've given me? I trust you to provide. Where do you want me to go in your name? And when the king tells me, 
do to others what you'd like them to do for you. Or he decrees, sell what you have and give, give the money from that to the poor. Or, or if he says, stop robbing me of the tithe, bring it into the storehouse so that my work through the church, so my kingdom work here never suffers lack and, and so that I can open up as I promised my supernatural supply, my storehouses of blessings over you. Or if he says to me, take a day less work for money so you can serve me during those hours more in that ministry. Or if he just says, just to obey me because I want to bless you. Now, if somehow, as I so often do, I find myself back sitting on that throne, putting what I hope one day might be a snazzy golden crown and with jewels all over my own head, I won't hear what he says as a command or even an invitation to live better under his rule, which is actually it is better because he's so good. I might hear it as a suggestion or an issue for debate rather than action or worse as an imposition or even worse as a nuisance because me doesn't want to serve. Me doesn't want to give. I don't want to go. That's what me in charge looks like and that's the picture of the two thrones and it asks me which kingdom I'm seeking and whether or not I'm actually entrusting and giving my life to Christ today. Not just giving him my sin so he can forgive it and carry on being, I can carry on being in charge again of my life, back on the throne. As I look at this picture, alongside my selfish desires and fears and worries and needs and greeds, the question when I'm worrying is, is Christ central? Is he on the throne? Is he actually a king? Does my life, my money and my priority, do my plans and priorities and pursuits in life seek his kingdom? Do I demonstrate I now have another king who is king of kings and lord of lords? If so, I can stop worrying. I don't have to start worrying. I don't have to chase after those things that people who don't know, don't serve this king, eagerly desire. Whatever the papers and the politicians and the pundits say today and tomorrow, this is what the king says to his servants and his subjects. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to worry about what those who don't know King Jesus have to worry about. Now, if that's still you and you're still living for yourself and you refuse to open the door and let Christ in, and, or if, you, if, if you've done that but he's been pushed off the throne of your life somehow, I have to tell you, you should worry. Because whatever you run after and how, whatever you chase after in this world will never provide what it promises. It's all just going to blow away like dust anyway. But when we take off, when we lay down our paper crowns and get off the throne and invite the one who made the stars and feeds the birds and clothes the lilies to take his rightful place, then we know we can be sure. We don't have to worry. We don't have to have any anxiety. We can be confident that we can make plans as big as our God calls forth. And we can trust for provision above and beyond all that we can ask, dream or even imagine as he opens up the storehouses of heaven for us. So we'll never have to worry today about tomorrow because whatever uncertainties there may be, and yeah, there will be, here's one thing for certain, our king will still be king tomorrow. Our father will still be our father. Our God will still be God because he is the same yesterday, today and forever. So right now I invite you to join with me as we've looked at how to be financially blessed, because it really is more blessed to give than receive. That's what the, the king says. So we can pray and we can ask God to help us bank more deposits in the heavenly account, to declare and live that that's the bank I'm interested in, that he's the boss of me, not mammon and materialism. And Lord, I pray now, please help us know we never, ever need to worry if we're seeking first your kingdom, if we belong 
to that kingdom. If we know that everything that belongs to you now belongs to us and you want to entrust even more of what belongs to you now for me here on the earth to do your business, then I don't have to worry because there's no shortage. There's no scarcity in the kingdom I belong to. Lord, I'm sorry for the times I've pushed you off the throne. I've lived and thought in such self-centered ways. So I repent of withholding that which is rightfully yours, your majesty. And Lord, I bow before you and I now release myself from any guilt or condemnation of the past and joyfully, gratefully declare on the basis of your word that he who the sun sets free is free indeed, and that means me. I am free to serve and love you, Lord, and obey you. And I believe you have plans to bless me. So show me and speak to me now of what you want me to do and how you want me to be a blessing to others. Thank you, those plans are to help me and not to harm me. Let me seek first your kingdom now and forever as I lay myself and all my belongings to you because I belong to your kingdom and you are the king that I belong to and belong with now and forever. Amen. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.